what's cooking up in the kitchen? Am I smelling that soul food? Oh yes, it is soul food. The spiritual food for your spiritual nourishment. And you know what? This food will never expire. Never expire? I need this food every day. You are listening to these spiritual-based podcasts. There are many podcasts, but this one here is to satisfy your soul, to feed your spiritual hunger. Are you hungry for God? Don't let your soul be hungry. No matter where you are, whatever you are doing now, at work, home, or on the go, you can still listen here and right now the uh, Soul Food Podcast. Don't let ever your soul to go hungry. It's time for some Soul Food. Let me feel numb. Let me feel high. But the problem is that after the effect, after the alcohol is over, after that night of prostitution, so-called pleasure, flesh, you are there again, feeling bad, even worse. Even worse. Because now you find it disgusting. Is that right? Now you find this, you look at yourself and you say, I am thirsty again. I need another sip. I need another hit. I need another man. I need another woman. I need to go back to the casino again. And this time I'm going to win. And you put more money in horses and numbers. And you are always, come on, always thirsty. But Jesus said, whoever drink the water that I give, let us read there. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never. What's the meaning of the word never? Huh? The word never means what? It is over. This is the end. Game is over. Never. You don't need to go around looking for another man, for another woman, for another hit, for another seat. Because you are satisfied. But when you drink the water of this world, hey, hey, you always you have to go back and drink again, and drink again, and drink again. You are now listening to Soul Food Podcast with Bishop Joshua. We'll be right back. wedded wife to have and to hold from this day forward for better for worse for richer for poorer in sickness 
and in health, to love and to cherish, till death do us part. This is my solemn vow. My wedding. Such beautiful moments, heartfelt speeches, all important vows and powerful preaching. As we celebrate this day in which we tie the knot, I could share embellished words of all my promises to you, God. But I think I'll start with this. I don't deserve you. I'll probably be the worst partner you'll ever encounter. My shortcomings are already countless. I have a track record of guilt, shame and hurt, and from here it probably only just gets worse. Yet, your loyalty is unmatched. Today is all about us. You were the same yesterday, tomorrow, today. You paid the price and allowed me to keep the change. So if you told me that you didn't want to go through with it, I'd get it. I mean, what can I say? I'm not the easiest to deal with, to say the least. These vows we make today, I can't even promise that I'll keep. You surrendered your only begotten son and God's I've just about managed to surrender me. But see, God, I know a little bit about you. Psalms 55, 22, cast your burdens on the Lord and he will sustain you. I know you'll keep this ship afloat even when the sea is no longer blue. Second Timothy, verse 13 of chapter two, even when we are faithless, Lord, you remain faithful. So I guess I have my answer. And as the better half of me, your strength renews the spirit within, so I am grateful. And God, I've got some promises to make too. Lord, I dedicate myself to you. And I'm not talking about gently handing over my life. I'm talking about the level of a commitment when a man and woman stand before the altar and say, I do. I'm talking swimming so far out into the ocean of trust that I have no choice but to stay with you. I'm talking about tearing my past into pieces so small that I no longer remember life without you. God, I've often debated whether I'm a lover or a fighter. Well, because you loved me, you fought evil in exchange for my life. And because I love you, I fight my flesh every day in order to do you right. That's a perfect sacrifice. God, in fact, this isn't all about me. This is all about you. I stand on your words because you stood on them first. Your words have remained unshaken from book to chapter to verse from the early days of life right up until now. I know you'll never leave me. So I make my vow. I thank you for never giving up on me, no matter what we go through. And I thank you for giving me the strength to say these words. I do. Thank you for listening here on Soul Food Podcast. Stay tuned to listen to a real life story. Make sure you don't miss it and share with your friends and family.
I started becoming an established drug dealer in the city. People would see me. They would know who I was from different neighborhoods. And I was able to raise young boys up. And everybody around me started getting money. So now I'm not just the one dude getting money. Everybody got money. So I'm driving down the street. I had the hard top up. And I'm just driving down the street. You know, man, I'm just listening to beats. And I'm about to drop them off. I pull up to his house. And when I pull up to his house, shots just ring out. Pop, 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 pop. Ten shots go through my Lexus. And it's a convertible. It's no bigger than this little area that I'm in, like, right here. The first thing I said is, God, don't let me die like this. And I remember, like, I never felt love like this in my life. I felt this overwhelming peace, overwhelming love overwhelming sensation just start coming over me and I just did not know what I was like yo what is going on I just started crying I'm like yo what is going on with me ain't nobody around me I'm like oh my god what is going on around what is going on with me so growing up in Baltimore um I didn't know how bad it was because I was in it and it became like the norm so uh we grew up in the projects in East Baltimore called Highland Ridge all I ever seen was drugs, guns, you know. Um, I seen um, men beat my mom up. All I ever seen was just like shootouts and, and people actually getting to getting to the money. When it came down to like growing up in it and then it being hard, you really ain't know it was hard because that was all we ever seen. I remember um, looking out my window every night and watching drug dealers sell drugs all day long and watching get money, watch their cars pull up, and I'll be like, man, them cars icy. And I'll be like, man, I be, I know what's going on. I'll be watching the place. I know where people's guns was at because I watch them stash their guns. I watch where people's drugs is at because I watch them do this. And I was consistently consumed with just every single day watching them, you know, do this thing every day. And I I remember one day I was actually going to the um going to school one day. My mother used to keep me clean. And um so I used to, I was going to school one day and um I had my little trench coat on. I was right up walking up the street and I went and I was on a bus stop and I found a dead body like laying in the dumpster. And I was looking like, yo, that's a real dead body. And you would think I was scared, but it was almost like I was interested, like, yo, that's a dead body. And then, you know, obviously from there, we still went to school and they was expecting me to function. So uh, I remember when the projects got shut down, they, they shut the projects down and um, everybody had to move out. And at this point, life shaped me and conditioned me into who I was, like fighting in the projects, being always, you know, always in some, some, some kind of violence, always just wanting to feel important. I felt important, but I wanted to like, I wanted other people to know that I was important. So what happened was when we moved to this neighborhood in South Baltimore, and I was like, man, you know, I'm new around here, you know, all right, cool. I come from this place. So you always want to rep where you from when you come into wherever you from, like in Baltimore, you like, look, I moved around here, but I'm from over East Baltimore, so like, don't play with me. Y'all, y'all know, like, I ain't, I ain't like y'all. And um, I'm from the projects. This a hood, but I'm from the projects. So we moved around there. I started, you know, dibbling, dabbing, and I started like getting pounds of weed, going to school, taking school, taking weed to school with me in my book bag, and I, and I stopped actually going to class, and I just stopped instantly, just stopped going to school. Period. I would just uh, every day hook school. I would see so many different people around the neighborhood and I felt like they wasn't strong enough to hold what they had down. And I was like, man, I'm, I, I feel like I'm, I can do this. Like, I feel like I could come out here and take this over. And I was feeling like this for a minute and I would watch this one dude and I would see this dude, he would come out and he would just be, just be, just pull up on blocks and just start shooting at people and, and people were scared of him. And then he liked me, he was like, man, what's up little homie? I'm like, man, what's up, man? He was like, man, listen. He's like, you want, you want, you want, you want to kick away? I'm like, man, I, 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 man, I love to hang with you, man. And um, one day, um, I actually 
was just seeing him just bullying the neighborhood and really just moving in authority. And I was like, man, I want that. I said, I want that. And um, he instantly, one, one day he ended up getting locked up. He had to, he went away for a while. And then I was like, man, you know, wasn't nothing going on. And I was just like, man, I, you know, we got to find a plug, man. I told one of my homeboys and we found a plug. And then instantly um, I started separating different people in different, in different parts of the neighborhood. And I, I established my own crew. And I started telling people like, look, here, man, we out here now. Y'all can't come down here. This is our neighborhood at this point. And we started moving in authority, started moving with that same muscle I was seeing, started duplicating what I was learning from the projects and what I was learning from the homie who was living in that neighborhood before me. I started really duplicating it. And I was like, man, listen, we shutting this thing down. And then next thing you know, I became somebody that I never thought I would ever be. Somebody who just, and sometimes I just was like, man, I, I knew, I seen it in my projects out my window, but I never knew this was going to be me. I started really getting selling a lot of drugs and I became really good at it. And I was able to distinguish who was good with money, who was who can be muscle. And I was able to take people, take kids, even young boys out of their parents' houses and be able to like use them for their strengths for my own selfish benefit. And um, a lot of people died in the midst of this, like like lost their life. Um, I remember actually like being outside one of my homeboys and um, just leaving him. I had just bought a brand new Acura TL. You know, that was like, you know, I, that was a doctor lawyer car at that time. I was just like, you know, you know, always jewelry, always, you know, just a, a lot of money on me. I had just left him. And then somebody pulled up on him and just shot him in the head with a shotgun. I still remember to this day, like, you know, we was like, you know, doing the same old, you know, normal stuff. Just we put alcohol bottles up there. We up there, you know, crying, listening to music and stuff like that. Thinking like, man, whoever did this, we going to kill him. We gonna we gonna we gonna kill him. Um, who you know what I mean? Who 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 could do this to my homie? Like, not realizing what kind of stuff that we was in. And then later on, this was the life we was in. So I was just like, man, this is this just what it is. Like, this what it is. This just what it is. This this this, this the life we we signed up for. I felt like I couldn't get out. I felt like I had to be what I was. I felt like I was just so deep into the too deep in the streets that um. It was nowhere else for me to go. The money was coming. You know, I could have any girl I wanted. I had the respect, not just in my in my neighborhood, but in the city at this time. I started becoming an established drug dealer in the city. People would see me. They would know who I was from different neighborhoods by the streets talking. Um, and I was able to raise young boys up. And everybody around me started getting money. So now I'm not just the one dude getting money. Everybody got money. I end up getting a bigger bigger cars, having five or six cars at one time, having a really big, expensive Mercedes Benz, and I was a baby driving these cars. And um, I would pull up the doctors and lawyers and look at them and like, with a mouth full of gold teeth in my mouth, diamonds all in my mouth, just looking at them like, I'm doing the same thing you're doing. You getting money, I'm getting money. It don't make a difference. And I felt like, regardless, like so powerful. And the whole neighborhood respected me. Everybody respected me. Um, to the point where it's dope. I started like taking advantage of it, start selling weight to like, you know, like people who was way older than me. I'm a, I'm like barely 20, 20, 20 years old. I'm selling drugs to, you know, grown, I feel like 30, 35 year old man, 40 year old man. They coming to me, I'm they plug. And I'm like, man, I'm feeling like, you know, like now uh, I, I hear these rappers talking this stuff, you know what I'm saying? But they talking this stuff, but I really live this stuff. I was like, man, I like, like these dudes lying about, they talking this stuff on their song, but it's really my life. And I, I felt like I felt proud about who I was becoming at, at times. But then it sometimes I felt like disgusted about it as well, because I recognized I was, you know, a lot of people around me was dying. And um, 
I felt like I had a big responsibility for what was happening with these people's lives because um, I was involved. You know, even though they made their own choice to be involved, but I know, like, what I was giving them, what I was telling them to do, and then if things didn't go the way it was going and somebody lost their life, I numb myself by saying, man, this is what it is. But at the end of the day, just looking in the mirror, like, yo, that was really your fault, bro. You know what I'm saying? And I see that all the time. If you want to hear the rest of Aaron's story, listen in to part two tomorrow on all of our platforms. Don't forget to share with your friends and family to feed their souls. listening in that's all the soul food we have to share today stay tuned to the next episode on soul food and keep your notifications on share each episode with your friends and family to feed their souls give the food that lasts forever <laughs>